Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Reading today is from the fifth chapter of the prophet Amos. It is a startling word, unsettling word, because Amos says that God says, you can have church if you want, but I'm not coming. I'm not going to show up unless you pay attention to the needs of your community. As we come to these words, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. And because you are gracious, we trust that you will speak to us. We are here, O God. We are listening. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Listen. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. There was a time when someone came to Jesus and asked, there are a lot of commandments, which one matters the most? What is life about? What are we for? Jesus said, love. Love is what makes life human. Love is what makes a human life holy. So love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing more important, Jesus said. He's teaching us that Christianity is about relationships. Our faith shows up in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, in, in our parenting, in, in all of our community. This is so important, the prophet Amos says, God doesn't want you to love God if you don't love your neighbor. Don't show up in church if you've ignored the needs of your neighbor. Don't express love for God without expressing love for God's children. Faith is a relational, social reality. We've been exploring the great ends of the church, the, the wisdom our spiritual grandparents have given to us about what the church is for. And the last one for us to consider, they said, the church exists for the promotion of social righteousness. The promotion of social righteousness. Jesus shows up not just in our hearts, but in our relationships. That's where the rubber meets the road with Christian faith, and that's where it gets hard because 
you probably have already experienced, relationships on occasion can be challenging because we don't all think alike. We don't all see the world the same way. We don't all fall down on the issues on the same side. There's a wonderful moment in Harriet Beecher Stowe's novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Marie returns from worship and at Sunday lunch announces to her cousin Ophelia, she says, Oh, Dr. G preached a splendid sermon today, he did. It was just such a sermon as you ought to hear. It expressed all my views exactly. (laughs) Wouldn't you love to have a sermon like that? It's never happened. Wouldn't you? I don't even get a sermon like that, and I'm the one doing the preaching. The problem is that when a sermon is really the gospel, in other words, on those rare occasions I actually do understand the text, the Word is not our own Word. In the mysterious working of God's Spirit, the Word is God's. And it's challenging. And one of the ways that we navigate a world that does not express itself consistent with all our views, one of the tools that we've developed, is we figure out those things that we just don't talk about. It's well intended. It's an effort to keep the peace. But you know the dance. You're there in conversation with a friend or neighbor, and all of a sudden, you, you discern your spidey senses are alerted. Your neighbor doesn't see something the same way that you do, and so a little flare goes up, a verbal flare saying, danger, Will Robinson, don't go here, danger alerts, let's change the subject and talk about something else. It's well intended. It's intended to keep the peace but it comes at a terrific cost. We do it in our families. We do it with friends, and we do it in church. We develop a list of things that we're not going to talk about in church. This practice has existed for about 150 years. About 150 years ago, there was a Presbyterian theologian named James Henley Thornwell. He taught at Columbia Theological Seminary, the same seminary where our friend Roger and Shioka taught, although they didn't teach at the same time because Roger wasn't there quite 150 years ago. But one of my great, 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 I don't know how many great grandfathers was a friend of Thornwell, such a friend that in my ancestor's last days, he, in illness, moved into Thornwell's home and he died in Thornwell's den. Thornwell is known for a theological doctrine that is called the spirituality of the church. In this doctrine, Thornwell asserted, I know you were, I know you came to church going, if we can just get a theology lesson from 150 years ago, my day will be complete. In this doctrine, Thornwell asserted that Christian faith is about matters of the inner life. It's about our spirit. He's not wrong about that. But he continued. He said that matters of societal life are not a concern to faith. 
God doesn't care about ills in society. Does it sound strange to say it that way? God doesn't care about ills in society. Of course, the ill in society that Thorne was concerned about was slavery. And he was more interested in justifying slavery than he was in following the gospel. So he said, obviously, faith is about the inner life, and we should focus on our spirits and leave the societal ills, societal rights or wrongs, leave those alone. God is uninterested. I hope somewhere in your heart you choke on that a little bit and think, no, it has to be different than that. We can't pretend that there's a part of the world that God doesn't care about. Thornwell's doctrine has some good things about it, but it has several problems. And one of the problems is unintentionally he denies that Christ is Lord. Thornwell claimed that Jesus is Lord of your inner life, of your spirit, of your psyche, but not of your communal life, not of society. Well, then that begs the question, if Jesus is Lord of my inner life, but not my social connections, then who is Lord of that? Is it politics? Is it capitalism? Is it cultural practices? Is it crazy Uncle Eddie and all the things that he espouses? Who's Lord of that part of my life? The confession that Jesus is Lord is not siloed. Jesus is Lord of all of our lives. There's no part of life that God is not concerned with. The second thing that, that Thornwell stumbled on is he just forgot how important loving the neighbor is as Christian faith. God loves the world, and that means the whole world is neighbor. The whole world is the object of God's love, and therefore the realm of Christian faith addresses the whole of life. Now, you may be thinking, Tom, you're not really being fair. Picking on a theologian from 150 years ago and imposing modern ethos onto his time, particularly one who took care of your ancestor, well, I'm not really picking on Thornwell. I'm telling you about him because I think there's a little Thornwell in everybody. Uh, what I mean, I, I don't mean, I don't know any Presbyterians who think slavery is a good idea, not anymore. But what I do think is I think we're pretty adept at limiting the lordship of Jesus Christ. That Christianity governs this for us, but not that. That there's certain parts of my life that I surrender to my faith, but other parts have other governance, and we limit the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amos understood this. Amos said there, there are two places where it's going to be particularly hard for us to let God be God. There are two places. One is justice and one is righteousness. Justice, you know what that is. 
Don't overthink that. Justice is setting the wrong things right. It is the social pursuit to make sure everyone is treated fairly. Not the same necessarily, not equally necessarily, but fairly. Whenever society is out of whack, whenever the systems of society leave some without the possibility of a humane life, faith says that's not just unfortunate, that's wrong. And the whole of society is therefore broken. All of the prophets speak to this, and Jesus did too. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, a brilliant and deeply faithful man, he said the prophets were profoundly sensitive to those who suffer, and they were mystified that it didn't bother everybody else. They were, proudly, they were profoundly sensitive to those who suffer and astonished at the apathetic, apathetic shrug of shoulders that suffering receives from others. You know, I think often there is a lack of concern when people are suffering. I, I got a notice from the state of New York. They wrote to me and said, I owed a toll, that I had driven on a toll road and not paid the toll, and they had a picture, they had a picture of a car and a license plate on it, and not even Superman could have read the license plate in that picture, but you could tell the car was not my car. It was not the same make or model or even color of my car. It's clearly a mistake. I, I shouldn't have to pay someone else's toll. So I said, forget about it, which gave me the opportunity to hear from them again. And this time, they said, I not only had the privilege of paying someone else's toll, I could pay a late fee of $50. So I, I was motivated then to contact them and explain, not me. It's just a mistake. No need to apologize. I understand. These kind of things happen. No, no, don't worry about it. It's just a mistake. It's not fair for me to pay somebody else's toll. This is going to stun you. They didn't care. <laughs> really? Didn't care at all. I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, pay it now or wait for another $50 late fee. Your choice. It's a free country. Isn't that shocking? No. No, it's not. The truth is we live in a world that often fail, fails to care about the things that have gone wrong, particularly when it hurts others. I think that's particularly true for those who live life on the bottom. But God cares, and God cares from the bottom up. I heard someone say this week, a parent is only as happy as your least happy child. I think we get that trait from God. 
which is why God wants us to labor to ensure that all of God's children are treated fairly or cared for, no exceptions. It applies to the poor and the prisoner, the sick and the homeless, those who make good choices and those who make bad choices. It is a matter of justice. And that draws us into uncomfortable places. It draws us into conversations that we would just rather avoid. Because it means we have to talk about the world in which we live. We have to talk about violence and war and guns and climate and vaccines and masks and anything that impacts societal welfare. It's just what justice requires. And Amos knows how hard that is. It's hard. But Amos doesn't stop there. He says, let justice roll down like waters and let righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Justice is hard, but righteousness is harder. Because righteousness is a relational concept. To be righteous is to be in right relationship. To be righteous is to be in right relationship with God and with others. We are in a very righteous society. Our relationships are fragmented. We are divided. I'm not going to walk around in that in detail today. You know it in your own spirit. We're divided. When issues arise, we do what we should do. We try to figure out what we believe is the right side of whatever an issue may be. That's a good and faithful thing to do, to figure out what you think is right. But then we, by and large, surround ourselves with people who think the same, and we ignore or distance ourselves from those who don't, and we dismiss others as crazy or stupid or evil. But the call to righteousness complicates that. It does not allow us to just dismiss others with whom we disagree. It's not enough to be right. It's important, but it's not enough. We also have to be righteous, which means in as much as it is up to us, we stay in relationship with others, even with others with whom we disagree. A few years ago, our denomination was fragmented. We were fighting over the inclusion of the LGBTQ community. It was causing splits in churches all across the nation and some here in Kansas City as well. There were some pastors in our presbytery, not in our church here, not in our congregation, but in our presbytery, who were opposed to the inclusion of gay and lesbian persons. And they went to our friend, Reverend David Zioka. David has a pastor of the Nema Community Church here in our presbytery. David grew up in Africa. In Africa, the presenting issues of justice are about survival. Issues of inclusion have not risen to the priority. And these pastors, 
They assumed David agreed with them on the issues, and I assume he did as well. They went to him and said, we're going to leave the denomination. You agree with us. Why don't you come with us and join us when we leave the denomination? David said, you do not know me. I may disagree with my church on an issue here or there. My church will disappoint me from time to time. But this is still my church. This is the church that has nourished me in faith. This is the church that has taught me that Jesus Christ is Lord. And to turn my back on her would be to crucify my Lord all over again. You don't know me. I am staying. Even when it is hard, I am staying. I I think that's what righteousness looks like. And that's why justice is hard and righteousness is harder. There are a lot of factors and circumstances and realities of injustice in the world. We can never be casual about that. We must do our homework and our prayer work and try to align our hearts with Christ. That's what justice requires. But we must be righteous as well, which means inasmuch as it is up to us, we endeavor to hold on to one another. When the people of God promote social righteousness, there's a chance there's a chance that justice will roll down like waters and that righteousness like a mighty stream. And when that happens, Jesus is recognized as Lord. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.